and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're talking about the Netflix miniseries Devil in Ohio and the MCU series She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about both of these. Mm-hmm. But first, I have to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we did not have an episode last week because I somehow lost my audio file. So that's oh. all on me. That's okay. <laughs> we could release my side of it where there's like awkward pauses as you're chiming in. I was actually thinking about that, but <laughs> maybe I'll edit it a bit and then I can, I'll release it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, yeah, it's okay. But we're we're back. Oh, and I was also off because I got the shiny new bivalent vax and it left oh, yeah. me a little, little blah afterwards, but it really lifted and I am totally fine. And I am now modernized so yeah hooray yay i'm getting mine in a couple weeks awesome so i'm ready good <laughs> listeners get get your vaccines kids yes stay safe <laughs> yes <laughs> well the kids in devil in ohio are not safe <laughs> <laughs> that was a good segue i like that <laughs> yeah 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 so tell us about devil in ohio because you told me that i should watch this Yes. This was going to be mostly something that I talked about, and then you devoured the whole thing, too, so we have both seen it. <laughs> this was a limited series on Netflix that dropped in early September uh, with eight episodes that I think I consumed in about a week and a half, which is, for me, pretty fast because I don't usually binge. Mm-hmm. And this was created by Daria Palatin, who is a writer on the Jack Ryan TV show and other TV projects, but she wrote a novel that was her debut novel, and then this was adapted from that. And I, like, okay, this thing starts out very chill and <laughs> normal-ish for, like, a suspenseful sort of psychological thing, and then it goes totally off the rails, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know how you felt about it. I don't know if it was totally off the rails, but a little, at least a little bit off the rails. A little bit off the rails. <laughs> so this focuses on... This woman, Dr. Suzanne Mathis, played by Emily Deschanel, and she is a hospital psychiatrist, and she is on duty when this young girl comes into her hospital named May, who is played by Madeline Arthur, and she has clearly run away from home and been the victim of some kind of terrible abuse, and I think it's that Suzanne and her husband, Peter, played by Sam Jager, who's a real estate developer, have been foster parents in the past. And so they're still registered in the system as foster parents, which explains how Suzanne is the one who ends up taking May home with her Mm -hmm. when they can't really find a working foster home for her. And this sort of like uproots and upsets her family. Um, She's got several kids, Jules, played by Zaria Dotson. Helen, played by Alicia Newton, and Danny, played by Naomi Tan. And Danny is adorable and is very into (laughs) musical theater and bursts into song all the time, and I love her. Yeah. And she's their adopted daughter that she had been, um, her mom was friends with Suzanne and her mom died. Anyway, but like Helen and Danny are not super like pressed about May coming to their home, but Jules 
is. She's the middle daughter and she's like in an awkward phase and she doesn't really like May seems a little creepy and a little weird and a little stalkery and a little bit trying to ingratiate herself too much with the family and is very bonded to Suzanne. It just seems like Jules feels very pushed out. And I, from what I understand about the novel, which I have not read, Jules is the main POV character for the novel. Okay. Yeah. But it's a case where May is running from not just an abusive household, but probably her family was in some kind of very weird religious sect that in and of itself is kind of abusive and creepy. You find out very early on, this is not really a spoiler, that May has a giant pentagram carved into her back. Mm -hmm. And that alone is pretty upsetting. And I think in a very, very early episode, when they are all having dinner together, and May's like, can we say a blessing? And the parents are like, sure. And May's blessing is like, satanic. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a lot of memes on Twitter that were like showing a gif from that scene. And like, people are like, this is when they should have just thrown her out of the house. Like, this is... And the uh, the parents are just kind of like, uh, okay, it's fine, whatever. It's, like, just her thing. Let's respect it. And if it had been just one little thing, you know, maybe yes, but it just gets crazier and crazier. And I feel like the tone shifts from being, like, this sort of family drama to just getting a little bit campier as you go mm-hmm. till the last episode is a lot more campy and crazy. Yes. Yeah. What, what other observations did you have that you enjoyed or thought were weird or <laughs> good? Um, <laughs> well, first of all, the the soundtrack is really good. Yes. The soundtrack has no business being as good as it is. There's like weird, creepy folk songs. There's some little bops here and there and just some good atmospheric music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The composer... Oh, oh, well, the theme song I just I just now noticed is by Bishop Briggs, who is a legit real like British alt pop artist. So oh, okay. yeah, that would that would explain it. Um and then Will Bates is the composer, so I think I think okay. between the two of them that's why. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and later on there there are like composed religious sect folk songs for the yeah. show and that are really, really cool. Yeah. And creepy. And creepy. Cool and creepy way. Very, very good for a spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I liked about this because I have been getting into spooky season and horror-ish or horror adjacent things. So mm-hmm. this was like, it, I mean, it's quick. It's like eight episodes. It goes down fast. It is kind of silly, but I was just like, yeah, let's figure out what happened. so i just like that it was it didn't make me think a whole lot i guess no no it did not (laughs) i think we both had we had talked about this earlier but zaria dotson as jules was really really good Mm -hmm. and i i would love to see her and more things down the line i thought i really liked all three girls actually Mm -hmm. danny and helen aren't in it as much but they each well Danny, not so much, but Helen and Jules both have arcs that I think are are pretty nice, and there's some good character development there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I thought focusing on the family was a smart move, and juxtaposing it with May's family, 
Do we want to talk about Timo Pennicut as Malachi? Um. <laughs> so he shows up late in the season with. He's from Battlestar Galactica. He played Hilo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. He. There was some interesting acting choices made here that uh, were special, and it contributed to the feeling of campiness. So if you'd like to see yeah. a, a veteran, handsome character actor who normally plays a very stoic <laughs> character be totally off the rails, get ready, because it's coming. He's pretty creepy. He is very creepy. I also like Detective Lopez, played by Gerardo Calasco. He's investigating May's case. He doesn't really get a lot of attention. It is basically kind of like, you know, your stolid good guy character. Mm-hmm. But I thought he did a good job with a relatively, you know, exposition-y part, I guess. Yeah. So he was good. He had sort of a cute romance with his partner or like potential romance. Yes. And also he's very, <laughs> this is kind of silly, but he's very sad about losing custody of his dog to his ex fiance. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, it's really cute. And then he finds an abandoned dog in the last episode. <laughs> yes. Like, oh. That was a nice little little side storyline. And he, yeah. he and Suzanne worked well together. I also felt like there was some interesting storylines with Peter, Suzanne's husband, who mm. they make it seem like he might be sketchy. And, you know, so there's some interesting kind of side mystery there. So it was pretty layered and interesting, but I want to talk very briefly about, okay, so we are both very familiar with various parts of Ohio, living in different parts of it and traveling throughout it, et cetera. I am an Ohio native, you're not, but you certainly have been Ohio adjacent your whole life, right? Yes. Yeah. No one in Ohio talks about <laughs> being in Ohio as much as these people do. This was filmed also in Vancouver. So it's not even filmed in Ohio, but or or anywhere that looks particularly Ohio-esque. So that was a thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I don't know. I think every area has those quirks. I think it would. I think it would bother me more if they didn't mention it at all. Yeah, but like it didn't really bother me. But it's kind of like how. I saw one of my old high school friends tweet this like a couple weeks ago, but she was like, no one in Pennsylvania calls it Pennsylvania, but everyone outside of it calls it Pennsylvania. And that's totally true. We we all just say PA. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't know. Like that stuff doesn't bother me as much. I'm like, yeah, that probably wouldn't, we probably wouldn't talk about the Browns that much or yeah. Ohio State, but <laughs> yeah. It's it also it wasn't clear where in Ohio it is and yeah kind of like PA there is this sort of like we don't really have like an east west thing of like two major cities that are but there is a very different feel between Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati-ish area yeah. and like Toledo like you know and uh it's less about the whole state and it's more your kind of little pocket of it and <laughs> You know, we do have like Amish country and uh, bordering Appalachia. So there are some regional things where a story like this absolutely could happen. Mm -hmm. But it's not probably where I was imagining they were. Okay. Which I was imagining kind of a northeastern area, like a little south of Cleveland. Yeah, that's that's where I was imagining too. Yeah. 
maybe like Akron or something. But yeah. but yeah, <laughs> like you'd be more inclined to talk about your city or the next biggest city than you would the whole state. Yeah. And they also act like it's either it was very vacillating back and forth between how they felt about Ohio State. Like it was very like, I'm going to apply for early admission to Ohio State and I got to really, you know, make sure I'm doing great with this. And it's like, and then in the next breath, somebody's like, oh, you're just going to this, the main state school. That's very unprestigious. So it was just like, no one has done their research on this. <laughs> oh, see, I thought that was kind of a character thing because Helen is talking about going to Ohio State early admission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With her boyfriend. Yeah. And then part of her, her whole thing is like, oh, she doesn't actually want to follow her boyfriend to the state school. Yeah. Yeah. But it also, I don't know, it, it just also felt like the, <laughs> you clearly only got the rights to talk about this one university gotcha. when yeah. we've got a ton. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where Daria Palatin is from. <laughs> but that's oh, probably yeah. neither here nor there. Not Ohio, I don't okay. think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's been shorthanded for a place that does have, you know, big cities and suburbs. And so the family feels very sort of, quote unquote, normal suburban and that there is, you know, talk about bigger cities. But then you do have these pockets of like rural areas where they're a little bit more insular and yeah. you're not quite sure what's going on in them if you're not in them. So yeah, I could see um, that. I think that's yeah. pretty standard for the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they probably just picked Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, it's really fun if you want something. It's got a little bit of a YA feel. It's got a little bit of a lifetime feel. It's got a little bit of a pr- police procedural feel, and mm-hmm. it is a little bit spooky. So if all of that sounds intriguing, I think this is, you know, pretty decent. Yeah. It is not something that's going to win some Emmys next year, but... (laughs) Which is okay. Which is okay. Everyone did the job that was appropriate for the job (laughs) they were given. (laughs) I think it's great if you want to ease your way into spooky season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's, I would call it a suspense thriller with some occult elements. Yes. I think I enjoyed it more than you did. <laughs> At times, but I think I, by the end, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is quite the ride toward the end. So, yeah, I think that if you do watch it, you need to watch it all because the last episode does some things that I didn't super expect mm-hmm. and made it extra interesting for me. Yes. Yep. Yes. But yes, we're both watching a different show on. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a great segue. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is not the same show. It's a different show. It's. (laughs) I meant different tonally. Yes, of course. Of course. This is very different tonally. Absolutely. So we are both watching She-Hulk Attorney at Law, the new MCU Disney Plus series Mm -hmm. starring one of my favorite actresses, Tatiana Maslany, as the title character, Jennifer Walters, who in the first episode is on a trip with her cousin, Bruce Banner, and they're in an accident and his blood gets into her bloodstream and she becomes a Hulk. Yep. But she also wants to still be an attorney. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a comedy. 
It is a comedy. This is a, I believe most episodes are around half an hour. Mm-hmm. And this is like, for the olds listening, this is like if Ally <laughs> McBeal became a superhero, basically. <laughs> so it has that legal dramedy feel to it, but it is also with superheroes. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us more about the the main plot line, I guess? Yeah. I mean, so... In the first few episodes, Jennifer Walters, again, she's an attorney in Los Angeles and kind of like also sort of has hapless single girl in the city energy. (laughs) And becoming a Hulk, she has different sort of traits about her identity as, as a Hulk than Bruce does. Bruce Banner, within the MCU as the Incredible Hulk, he has had to like create technology to allow him to maintain his Bruce Banner intelligence when he's in Hulk form. And his Hulk form is just sort of triggered by anger and stress, and he can't really control it without all this technology. Whereas Jennifer, right out of the gate, is like, oh, I can just turn this off and on and I retain all of my intelligence. And I'm (laughs) basically the same person. I'm just suddenly, you know, seven feet tall and enormous. (laughs) And he's a little like, annoyed by that. But she makes a point in the first episode of like, you know, women have to like do a lot more anger control and fear control and stress control than men because we are kind of, you know, marginalized way more than you on the daily. And so I think by the end of that episode, he sort of gets it and is supportive and tries to help her, you know, figure some stuff out. But she loses her initial job because during a court case, this supervillain, Titania, played by Jamila Jamil, bursts through the courtroom. And so Jennifer is forced to take her She-Hulk form. And this proves to be too much for her boss. And she is, you know, asked to leave. But she gets a new job with a firm that wants to start a superhero division. And the caveat, though, is that she has to show up to work every day in her She-Hulk form as like a gimmick for the firm Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway. So a lot of the comedy comes from her being like, Ugh, I don't, I just want to do my job and I don't want this annoyance, but then, you know, trying to do the right thing and trying to keep her job. And, and a lot of her cases have to do with, you know, superhero things, a lot of which were from earlier MCU movies and shows, which is cool because we get a lot of guest stars from other properties in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So what's working about the show for you? I appreciate the enhanced humor element, which all of the MCU stuff to a certain degree is a lot funnier than say comparatively DC stuff, <laughs> but it's even more so. And so this is even more overtly comedic. Tatiana Maslany is really, really great and very well cast And, oh, she does a thing that is also present in the She-Hulk comics, where she will talk straight to the camera and break the fourth wall and make little commentaries on what's happening. So it feels very meta, and it's not supposed to be taking itself very seriously. But also, like, I do like legal shows a lot. (laughs) I'm very excited. The Good Fight is now back for its final season. Um, I was a big fan of Ally McBeal. I like things like The Practice and The Good Wife and... um, 
you know, even back to LA law and stuff like that. So I like that this feels like one of those shows, but it has this extra element to it. (laughs) And it just has a nice, each episode has a nice variety of little storylines and things that she's struggling with. The cast is really fun. In addition to her, it includes Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki Ramos, who is a paralegal and Jen's best friend, and she's really funny. Um, We do get to see Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner a lot. And Benedict Wong reprises his role as Wong from the uh, Doctor Strange movies. And there's just a lot of fun little cameos and other little characters that are interesting. It's not, I don't think it's entirely, it's partly filmed in LA, but also in Atlanta. So there's a lot of, I love shows that are full of a lot of literal sunshine. So there's a lot of that. So I don't know. Uh, As we get toward fall, I really need that. But yeah, that's what's working for me. What's working for you? Uh, Yeah, uh, a lot of those things. Like I already mentioned, I love Tatiana Maslany. If you haven't watched Orphan Black yet, I would go urge you to watch that because she's absolutely phenomenal in that and she plays multiple characters. So it was really fun to see her on TV again. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's been absent for a little while. And I'm excited to get more into Titania because they sort of teased her as the big villain and she hasn't appeared that much yet. I haven't watched this past week's episode, so maybe she did then. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I won't okay. spoil it, but yes, she okay. does come back. <laughs> I like I like Wong a lot. Last week there was an episode that sort of got everyone talking because oh gosh, let's not spoil it so much. Let's just say okay. Wong makes a friend. <laughs> Wong makes a friend, and they're a very odd couple, and yes, it works. <laughs> it works. It's fantastic. I yes. love it. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't think you mentioned this, but Renee Elise Goldsberry shows up as Mallory Book in a couple episodes. So it's always fun to see her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why. I'm just like, oh, it's Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Love when she pops up. Yeah, I think it's a nice, breezy half hour show, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm always a little bit like, yes, I like it, but I'm all- also. I kind of want to know the whole season trajectory, you know? Mm, so okay. sometimes I find it hard to talk about things too early. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, it's something that I usually look forward to each week. I don't know why I didn't watch it this past week. I think I just got confused about what day it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> it comes out on Thursdays. Yeah. I tend okay. to watch it on Fridays. Okay. They are planning nine episodes for this season, so it's going to end in mid-October, and they've already dropped five, and it is releasing weekly, which, I mean, I like generally. It's It leaves you something to look forward to. It allows Mm -hmm. for some online chatter. It prevents you from getting too spoiled as you're going. So yeah, I like that element of it. I also, I have Mm -hmm. to say, I like that it seems like boys on the internet are mad about it, so... (laughs) Um, they're, I feel like they're always mad about something nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And I don't get it because Mm-mm. the original comics, which I have not read, but I, I understand that they are similarly meta and lighthearted and funny and weird. And that is exactly <laughs> what they have given us with this show. And so I don't really know what they're feeling like they're not getting. So. Yeah. I don't know. But 
I would suggest if you do watch it, I would watch episodes one and two together mm-hmm. because one is very much a setup episode mm-hmm. and it's a little bit isolated. So things really get rolling in episode two. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, but it's fun cool. and I'm I'm looking forward to more of it. And uh, I even though both of these shows that we talked about today have a campiness factor, She-Hulk's campiness factor is on purpose meta commentary and is just fun devil in ohio's campiness it's hard to tell if it is intentional so that is kind of the difference there (laughs) keep that in mind when you choose which one to watch i guess yes yes exactly (laughs) well if you do want to watch those you can find devil in ohio on netflix and you can find she hulk on disney plus And next week, we'll be talking about more great pop culture stuff, so be sure to join us then. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at PausePopPodcast. Our website is PositivelyPopCulture.com, and from there you can find the link to the merch store, as well as our email, PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.